With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This is good work by AJ. Good work. Tip off tonight for the K-State men's and women's basketball teams. Women at Bramlage Coliseum, the tip off at 630. As we'll be hosting Presbyterian. It's the uh, it's the official official comeback game for Aoka Lee. She had 20 points in the uh, exhibition against Pitt State. And like Troy said in uh, in his game sports updates in the first hour, that um, what is it, 84 of K State, 84 percent of scoring of scoring for K State last year is back. Yes, for this year's team, and then you add on Aoka Lee. I'm telling you, look out. Looking for a big win in game one against Presbyterian. With, by, by the way, I, great trivia question here. I'll just I'll, I'll give you the state. Which state is Presbyterian out of? What state? Any any clue? It's Presbyterian College. They don't offer any master's programs. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take just a shot in the dark guess. Go for it. Minnesota. Not even close. Of course. Not even close. <laughs> They are from South Carolina. Wow. Now, this also, this might ring a bell. The mascot is the Blue Hose. Really? And apparently where this comes from is, so when when sports first started happening at Presbyterian College, the the nickname was basically stockings because every sport would wear these blue stockings. Mm Mm-hmm. And then sometimes instead of saying stockings, they would say hose, like pantyhose yeah, or something yeah, yeah, like that. Yeah. Or I, I don't know. And then it just stuck. Blue mm-hmm. hose. <laughs> stockings is where they get their mascot from. And I think the mascot, I, I'd have to look up a picture, is basically it looks like a mountain man wearing stockings. I'll take a look for it here and uh, try to turn it around and show it for you, I guess. Here. And by, by the way, apologies for the voice. If you can't tell, I am uh, struggling with a cold. And I basically have been for the last week. Really kicked in uh, last week, Tuesday, Wednesday. And, of course, it was perfect timing for the first basketball PA of the year. So it didn't sound good at all. You got it from Troy, I think. Yeah, he was complaining for weeks about it. I'm like, hey, bud, take some take some DayQuil and chill out, man. But, no, I yeah, maybe I did, maybe I didn't. I typically get a cold around this time of year, but it doesn't kick my butt this much. It's one of the tougher ones I've had in a while. Uh, K-State men, by the way, tipping off at 9 o'clock against USC, the Trojans, and Cats meeting up in Las Vegas, Nevada, Sin City. Yeah, show me that picture of this this mascot. Okay, so it's, boy, I'm trying to think of, 
it's one of the creepier looking and again this is radio obviously I can't really paint a good picture of it but it's it's it looks like a caveman wearing stockings it's an ugly braveheart <laughs> it's an ugly braveheart that's what it is or like somebody you could throw in with that what was that scottish that scottish army that they had uh that battle yeah, it's one of the uh, it's one of the extras in Braveheart. I, I, I guess we could, I guess we'll go with that. A Braveheart extra is their school mascot. Yeah, I I, I think that's uh, I think that's a perfect way to put it. Um, all right, it's time to predict the game. It's time to predict K State USC tipping off at nine o'clock. It's time for Mitch Palm. <laughs> Here's Mitch Ball with tonight's prediction. All right, we're in the laboratory. I've had to come up with many concoctions. To come up with tonight's prediction, series history, this is going to be the sixth meeting all-time between K-State and USC. The Cats lead the all-time series, and Mitch Palm loves a good series history when Cats lead it. And you'll find one here in basketball. Cats lead the all-time series Four to one, including a two to one mark in neutral sites. Last time K State and, and USC actually met up was in 2008, which would have been the first round of the NCAA tournament. Michael Beasley against OJ Mayo in Omaha. Cats won that game in the 6 11 matchup, and it was an upset. The 11 over the 6. This will be the second meeting these two teams will meet in Las Vegas. The first time was in 2006. Neutral site meeting, of course. Cats got the dub. Well, let's take a look at the uh, USC Trojans, a team that was 22-11 and 11 last year. Earned a 10 seed in the NCAA tournament, but they lost in the first round to a 7 seed. That 7 seed was Michigan State, the team K-State beat in overtime in Madison Square Garden, New York City, the world's most famous arena. That was a Sweet 16 game. Uh, Andy Infield is back as the head coach for USC in his 11th season, and they have been in the NCAA tournament quite a bit over the last eight years, six times to be exact. Uh, And I do believe there's an NIT appearance mixed up in there as well. Trojans picked to finish second in the Pac-12. In the Pac-12, as of recent years, I don't know if you would say it's been the strongest conference For college basketball, the last couple of years, it's been very strong with Arizona and especially with UCLA. Dana Altman's been kind of off and on with Oregon. They should be pretty decent this year. As a matter of fact, they're playing right now and they're up 20 against Georgia. I doubt Georgia's any good, but Oregon is up 20 with 940 to go in the second half. And that game is in Vegas at the T-Mobile Arena. It's the first of the two men's games taking place. But it actually, like the Pac-12 in football this year, they might be going out with a bang in basketball because not only is USC supposed to be pretty good, uh, but so is, of course, Arizona and UCLA. Colorado might be decent. Uh, Stanford might be kind of decent this year. So we'll see. The jury's still out, of course. The season just beginning on how good the the Pac-12 will be, but it's not as predictable as football was heading into the year. All right, let's start with where USC, let's now go to where USC brings back for this year, and that's all Pac-12 first team guard. Boogie Owls, really good last year, 18 points a game. He shot about 39% from three-point range. 
Also very good at the free throw line. He gets there quite a bit. Very good from two-point range. I mean, he's really solid all around. They also got a guard back in Kobe Johnson, who averaged just under 10 points a game. He had five rebounds a contest. Also another decent three-point shooter. And they also bring back a couple of bigs. The one that stands out to me the most is a 6'11 guy by the name of Joshua Morgan, who had seven points, five rebounds a game. Now, they also have a 7'1 big that comes off the bench. 7'1. I don't know how to say his last name. Averaged about five points a game. A reliable five coming off the bench. He is questionable for tonight. So they might not have much depth tonight when it comes to the bigs. Uh, He is dealing with a back issue. Uh, But we have a timetable on him, unlike Jalen Daniels. Meanwhile, Chuck Wu, is how you say his name, I think? Say it again. Ewu Chuck Wu. Vincent Ewu Chuck Wu. I'm going to go. I'm going to go with that. You know, that's a really good guess. I'm going to leave it at that. Your guess is way better than what mine was going to be. So we're going to leave it at that. Um... Now, why USC is regarded as one of the best teams in the country preseason is because of the recruiting class. They bring in the number four recruiting class in the country. Most would expect it to start with Bronny James. I say not so fast. Bronny James, he's going to be a good player. He's going to be a good player. His dad's LeBron James. He won't be his, his dad good, and I highly doubt anything close. Where it starts is guard Isaiah Collier. He is the number one recruit in the 2023 recruiting class. He is good enough that many people project that he could be the number one draft pick in the upcoming NBA draft. He could be. But we'll see how that turns out. What makes him so good, it's not just because of his scoring, how well he plays defense. Really, it comes to how he distributes the basketball. He is one of the better distributors of the basketball in the recruiting class. Ronnie James, number 25 in the recruiting class. It's not done there, though. Ford, uh, Arrington Page, who might not play tonight. That's another questionable player for tonight for USC. It's another back injury, but he's a Ford, number 57 player in the class. He might not play tonight. And then Brandon Gardner is the number 108 player in the class. He might be down there on the depth chart that we might not see him play. But they have a very solid recruiting class. Meanwhile, they got a pretty good transfer in the portal as well. DJ Rodman, who's the son of Dennis Rodman, he comes from Washington State, who averaged 10.6 rebounds a game. He's going to be a role player as well for Washington State. Now, I had to go look it up. I was like, okay, so he's been playing a lot of college basketball already. Is this Carmen Electra's son? Did, did she and Dennis Rodman have a kid? It's not Carmen Electra's kid. Yeah, I, I figured. <laughs> Michelle, I think Boyer was her maiden name, but Michelle Rodman. Yeah. They were married for like 10 years. Mm-hmm. Where does he rank? You're a Chicago kid. Where does he rank for you of like best Chicago athletes of all time, or at least in your era of Chicago athletes? He might actually have been right on the outside of your era. Yeah, he 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 left a few years before I was born. But oh, well, there you go. Okay. I will say this about Dennis. When he came to Chicago, nobody wanted him because he had been with the Pistons, and the Pistons were so reviled in Chicago from all the years where they were going against each other. But I would say he was the piece that helped him with that second three-peat. They needed him badly. They needed a guy who could go up and get him 
that big rebound. So I would put him in the top 20, a most impactful Chicago athletes. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Now, as a team, I mean, again, this is a, a much I, – maybe I don't say a much different team, but this is a, you know, a lot of different pieces, right? Uh, for USC heading into this year, you know, the reason they are projected to be such a good team this year, not only because of Boogie Ellis, but it's because of the recruiting class. So maybe I shouldn't base too much on last year's team to this year's team. But I will say what last year's team did really well is play good defense. They're really tough defensively. As a matter of fact, that's kind of been the M.O. of Infield's team the last four years. They have been one of the best teams in the nation in two-point range defense over the last four years. They've been one of the best. Uh, they haven't been maybe the most solid rebounding teams, but like when it comes to blocking shots, they've been one of the best in the nation the last four years. So you know, I think more than ever, when K-State wants to play fast, they need to get out and play fast against USC. Don't let them settle in defensively too much. Try to catch them off guard. Tang wants to play fast. You're going to probably want to play fast against USC. But here we go. Where I really break things down in a non-con game. Famous alumni for USC. And you can imagine a school out of Los Angeles. I had a lot to pick from. But first I'm going to start with Richard Neer and Arthur Meelan. They co-founded the company... Whammo. Whammo made a lot of famous toys, as in the hula hoop, the slip and slide, silly string, the hacky sack. But what have they done for us lately? That was all like in the 60s and 70s. Recently, the only cool thing we got was the easy spin foam frisbee. What? So way to go... <laughs> making us nothing in the last 40 years but inventing a whole bunch of stuff that's fun for five minutes our next uh, famous alumni is George Lucas director famous director famous producer Lucas Films might be the, one of the most famous uh, film companies of all time outside of the staples and, of course, directed Star Wars Episode Four. He did not direct Five and Six, but he obviously was a producer on those movies. Um, but then, as he's not directed many films, went on to direct episodes of Star Wars 1, 2, and 3. As a director, what have you done for me lately, George Lucas? I mean, I'm not the biggest Star Wars fan, but didn't Star Wars 1, 2, and 3 just kind of not live up to the hype that it should have been? Am I, would, I, am I wrong? Do you watch Star Wars? Yeah, I mean, um, in it, I, I would I would definitely say the new ones after the first. 1, 2 definitely disappointed. 3 was okay. okay. 3 was okay. The Disney ones, there were a couple good ones, and there were a couple that were not great. But nothing is better than the original 3. Empire Strikes Back is the greatest sci-fi movie ever made, period. You heard it here first. Okay, maybe not first, <laughs> but AJ is on the Empire Strikes Back bandwagon. All right, and then finally, my last famous alumni for USC is Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell actually might be, when it comes to like the super fans, him and then maybe, oh, who else would stand out as the super fans? Snoop Dogg? No, not, well, okay, yeah. but I don't think Snoop Dogg went to USC. No. Vince Vaughn might be the other one. But I decided to go with Will Ferrell because, man, did, has he made some... Comedy classics. 
the other guys, Talladega Nights, Anchorman, and of course, who could forget Step Brothers? They came out in the late 2000s. But I'm like, you know what? Since 2010, Will Ferrell, what have you done for me lately? Anchorman 2. Yeah. Sucked. Eurovision Song Contest, The Story of Fire Saga, was dead on arrival. Holmes and Watson was not good. Zoolander 2. Ugh. Zoolander 1 itself is a bit of a problem for me. That you may get some feedback on. We <laughs> might get some phone calls on that. A lot of people love the first Zoolander. So a lot of USC is like, what have you done for me lately? I think that goes with football. That definitely goes for basketball. It doesn't have the richest history of having big seasons. But under you know, infield, yes, they've made a bunch of NCAA tournaments, but they have one six, Sweet 16 to speak of in the last 15 years. That would not be acceptable if you're a K-State fan. USC have not done too much for me lately. But what can K-State do for me tonight? I want to see K-State just overall play well. This is one of the biggest... Uh, when it comes to competition, one of the biggest tests that K-State has faced in an opener for basketball in such a long time. This has rarely happened in K-State hoops. And what an opportunity this is for K-State to go on a national stage, Vegas, TNT, against what is you know one of the most recognizable brands in college athletics, and try to go win a game. K-State will have a little bit, when it comes to experience, they're going to have a little bit more experience versus USC. But how does it come together? Can they take care of the basketball? And I'm very looking forward to see how fast can K-State play and successfully play fast against USC. Ken Palm says a 47% chance the Cats win. USC 72-71. I think it's a little bit higher scoring than that. Mitch Palm gives K-State a 53% chance of winning. 77-76, the final score. When we come back, back to K-State football, we look back at the fourth down play. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And we'll talk a little bit about play calling. Coming up next on the on Wildcat Insider. Well, it's uh, it's been two days since the loss at Texas happened. Has two days been enough time to heal? To heal from the pain that was suffered after a heartbreaking loss and what felt like was going to be a blowout loss. Casey had nothing going for it in the first half. And then the comeback takes place when Cats are down 27-7 to in the third quarter. They tie it up and unfortunately just do not get it done in overtime. Has two days been enough to heal after one of the tougher losses we've had 
in some time. We're back on Wildcat Insider, Mitch Fortner and A.J. Shaw. A.J., were you able to watch the game? I know you haven't been a K-State fan for very long. I did. I watched the game, and uh, let's just say my mental health was not in the best state at the time it was going on. Listen, I so I, I basically watched the game by myself. Um, That's me, too. And uh, I was at my girlfriend's house. Everybody was doing their own things, I guess. And I watched the game. Um, I used to be a lot like everybody else. Mm-hmm. When things aren't going well, I'm yelling at the TV. I'm yelling at the cats. Mm-hmm. I may be even really wanting to flip the channel. I can't watch this anymore. I got to turn it to something else and end up turning back anyway, even though maybe things aren't better yet. You're thinking maybe that'll change the cat's luck. You're giving them bad luck by just watching the game or whatever. The wrong person's in the room. I used to be that kind of fan. Being a member of the media has really helped me chill out on how I react when things aren't going well. But at times, man, I was I was yelling at the TV. Um, An angry Mitch. That'd be, uh, that'd be fun to watch. Well, the loudest I got was when Tennant not missed the field goal. When he missed the field goal, I went surrender Cobra. I was like, oh, God, I think that might do it. Yeah, that I was might, thinking the same thing. That might be the, the final nail in the coffin. It just, that's the way it was that day. No, it was when he made the 47-yarder to tie it to go to overtime. I, I jumped out of the chair. I was like, yes, we got a chance. We could do it. Uh, but then hearts ripped out. Cats don't get the fourth and goal at the four uh, to win the game. So, obviously, a lot to say in a short amount of time. But go ahead. I had to reverse jinx him. Because I said, there's no way he's made. I even said in our little K-Man chat that we have, the little Facebook Messenger chat, I said, he's not making this. But in the back of my head, I was like, he's going to make it. But I have to reverse jinx him in order for him to make it. Well, it's the second time he's redeemed himself this year. Uh, you know, he missed the extra point, missed the field goal against UCF, and then, you know, had to uh, re- redeem himself maybe a couple of weeks after that. But, uh, you know, he missed the 27-yarder, and then he makes, what was it? I, I don't remember if it was a four, How long? It, I can look it up here real quick. It's like 47, I think. It was a 45-yard field okay. goal. Excuse me. He missed the 27 and made the 45, so I was you know very happy about that because sometimes he just seems like a kid that can get kind of in his own head, maybe a little intimidated by the environment. Um, but, okay, so let's get to the two biggest complaints. Um, from what I've read on social media, just from the fans, the two biggest complaints – from the loss. First of all, I don't think really anybody complained about the defense. Really, I mean, yes, the defense gives up, okay, 240, uh, 230 yards on the ground. Yeah, that's more than normal, right? I thought the Cats did a better job against the run in the second half. And what really turned things around, I would say, for the defense, first of all, special teams, block punt by Shane Porter. That kid forever was known as the TikTok in the locker room in uniforms before the season a couple of years ago, right? Or was it last year? I think it was two years ago. Um, and then he blocked a punt. That kind of was a spark that Casey was looking for. Had nothing going for it. Finally, a little bit of a spark. Cats cash in on a Phillip Brooks touchdown a few plays later. And finally, K-State's on the board. But let's be real. A big difference defensively for K-State was Malik Murphy throwing stupid passes. He made some dumb mistakes. That a freshman makes once in a while. He made freshman mistakes. Yeah, and luckily, you know, Will Howard, or not Will, but uh, Avery Johnson has not made those mistakes. Although he did try to throw one football when finally he was allowed to pass down the field and threw a little bit of a questionable pass, but there probably just wasn't anything on the play. 
There was a lot of good individual games for K-State defensively, who he didn't shout in the first hour. Of course, Jacob Parrish, he had two interceptions in the game. Um, Brennan Mod had this, had, he stripped the football away to lead to K-State getting the tie. A couple of plays later to Jace Brown. So, let me correct myself. Let me make sure that's right. Yeah, the Jace Brown touchdown. Offensively, the two complaints were the play calling and going for it in overtime, down three, goal to go, fourth and goal at the four-yard line. Let me address the play calling first. We'll just kind of go in order. I maybe necessarily, maybe it goes hand in hand, but I think there's another way to look at it. I didn't necessarily have a problem with the play calling. Because I think for the early going, especially in the first half, maybe it necessarily wasn't the play calling as much as it was the lack of execution. Because K-State was just dying at the offensive line. Dying on the O-line. In that first half, they could not get the run game going. They really never did throughout the entire day. The best run K-State had was eight yards, and that was the second play of the game. Second play of the game for K-State on DJ Giddens in an eight-yard run. But also, I thought the pass protection was just, it was, it was rough. It was really rough. Just not a lot going. Um, but at the same time, you know, and maybe this is, if, if this is Colin's biggest flaw, it could be way worse. It could be way worse. Maybe just try to stick too much with the original game plan. And that was to establish the run. Chris Kleiman said it Tuesday that they're not going to try to invent the wheel. They got to be K-State. Well, being part of K-State is being successful in running the football Texas wasn't going to let that happen, and I think you know K-State's offense just you know wasn't doing as good enough job to be successful in the running game that they would need to be. A lot of factors add up, but it just wasn't going to happen. But maybe it was just trying to get the running game going a little bit too much, and it got to the point where I was like, I was just begging, like, please, let's start trying to pass down the field. Let's see if we can get things going in the passing game. And it finally did. Um and it was in the second half. K-State's real, true, long touchdown drive is where the passing game finally opened up, and it's, it was the drive that made it 27-14. And it was the second touchdown of the game for Phillip Brooks of 26 yards out, where I've never seen that kid show that much effort. I mean, fighting for that touchdown, twisting and turning, breaking tackles – Hell of a play by Phillip Brooks. That might have been the best play of his career outside of a nice punt return. Incredible play for Phillip Brooks. Been balling out too. Five catches for 83 against Houston. Five catches for 76 and two last week. He's been balling out the last couple of weeks. And uh, agreed, he's becoming Will Howard's favorite receiver. And Will finally had a connection with Keegan Johnson, and it came after Keegan. I mean, and they tried to go to the long ball. And it was a great play. It should have been there. Keegan drops it, and as a matter of, he didn't really drop it, actually, he kind of, he fumbled it up in the air, and it was picked off, and Texas got the interception, which I believe led to a field goal. That's another thing, the offense just came out with back-to-back turnovers to begin the second half. I thought K-State was cooked after that. But no, K-State's offense only had the passing game working. And it led to Will Howard passing for a career-high 327 yards and four touchdowns. So once again, I think it was just too relying on the original game plan and didn't make adjustments as early as they probably should have. There was only one moment that I was really irritated about a play call. 
and it was in the fourth quarter, late in the fourth. It was the play right before Tennant missed the 27-yard field goal. It was third down and one, and I can't remember the yard line. If I do the math, I can figure it out. But um, it was third and one, and they lined up Will for this like design QB run. QB power, right? And it, No, it wasn't power, but it was st- – I mean, the O-line lost right away mm-hmm. on the snap, and there was nowhere for Will to go, and I'm like – I just I didn't like the call in that moment. I I, I would I agree. Have, I mean, if it was you know, if you know the passing game was working so well at that point, probably could have got something short in the flats. Maybe you never know. But I just didn't like that call at that time. But that was the only time I was like really frustrated with the play call. Maybe that and when Avery came into the game and it was three straight handoffs. Yeah, and the third down play was just kind of waving the white flag. We're going to punt it. That was a bit frustrating as well. Here's the stat I think that's going to really stand out from this game, though. And you mentioned rushing the football, running the football. K State forty three yards on the ground. Texas two hundred and thirty. That's almost plus two hundred on the ground for Texas. Can't win football games and you can't run the ball. But Texas just simply did a better job, yeah, of winning the line of scrimmage. Exactly. Yet, K State got this game to overtime, and I and I was telling guys in a group chat, I was like. After they got that touchdown from Phil, the second one, I was like, you know what? I got these. I got this twenty twenty Oklahoma vibes. We're down three scores. I was getting the same vibe. Four man. scores, <laughs> and it's like what? Or I guess it was three at the most. They were down twenty one. I think late well, in 20, the third, it was twenty seven to seven. That mm-hmm. was the biggest. Are oh, you talking about this game? I'm sorry. Yeah, the biggest deficit. I know mm-hmm. what you're talking about. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, man, finally got a little bit of momentum. Defense just to, we need a big play. We need a big play, and hopefully things turn around. It did. Fumble, fumble, field goal, punt. Plus, you know, inter- there was an interception in there too. I mean, I, I, the interception was a fumble then by Jacob Parrish, and then it was recovered. That's where I'm getting the fumble from. But the interception went from Jacob Parrish. I was like, okay, things are turning around now. Short yardage also helped out K-State greatly. But after it was all said and done, we're in overtime. Cats get it down at the six. We got a two-yard run from Will. Two plays later, no pass completed. We're at fourth and goal at the four. And this became a big argument. Was this the right play call? Or was this the right idea? You know, the play was just kind of dead on arrival. Um, It wasn't there. It was blown up from the start. But was it the right idea? Was it the right plan to go for it on fourth down when he could have kicked a field goal and went to a second overtime. I'll be quite honest with you. For a long time, I was really split on it. And I'll give you the reasons why. Pros for going for it were you can go ahead and win the game. Be aggressive. You're on the road. It's Big 12 play. Tough environment. You know, if you if you decide to kick it, you give Texas another opportunity to score. Um, it was... Finally, that opportunity. You hadn't had this opportunity all game other than a botched extra point to take the lead. And this is also the the Chris Kleiman mentality that we didn't have you know, previously, right? We wanted to see more being aggressive. Well, this was K-State's opportunity to win. The cons behind it, of course, if you, you, you don't get it, then K-State's blamed. You know, the coaching staff is going to be blamed 
for making a bad mistake, and if they got it, it was a great mistake, and they're heroes, and it's a, certainly a win-lose situation, not just winning the game, but also how the fans react to it, for sure. But also, I, I, I really thought about it, and I was like, you know, there was a lot riding on that play. Because if you don't get it, there most likely goes your shot of making it to Arlington. There goes your shot of living to see another day. You know, it was all riding on that play. There was a lot still to play for for the season. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Um, you know, th- there's a lot of pros and cons, but it really comes down to it. You want to have an opportunity to play for Arlington. And Texas is one of the worst teams in the nation in scoring touchdowns in the red zone. If you go back to the BYU game, they failed twice to score any points yeah. in the red zone. They had struggled previously against K-State. They had to settle for multiple field goals. Yeah, and Gus and Joel mentioned that. Texas was one of the worst. K-State's one of the best in the red zone. And part of me, I, I thought you kicked the field goal on that spot because Texas wasn't doing anything. I mean, they got one yard on their only possession. It was a run by Brooks. They didn't really move the ball much on that last drive. I thought in that spot, and I, I don't have any issue with him going for it there. I said, you want to go for the throw, man, hey, this is for a Big 12 title. I had no problem with him going for it. But I said, I kicked the field goal here and trust my defense who's been playing lights out all day. Get the ball back into my hands of my red-hot quarterback and go for the win on two-point conversions. I wouldn't say lights out, but I think Texas was, at that point, was already playing with a quarterback that was questionable at best about his decision making. Yes, that I would. Yeah, I, that's a better point. And trying to do a whole lot in the passing game wasn't going to be working for Texas. They would have to establish the running game again in case it was doing a better job against the run. Yes, in case they absolutely stuffed them in that overdrive, overtime drive for Texas. They they went nowhere on that drive and had to settle for a, a forty plus yard field goal. So I'm like, you know, if we if we play by the stats, we play by the numbers, and we play by, you know, who has. You know, just kind of the momentum at that point. K-State has the momentum. You you had three chances to get in there, but you didn't. Is fourth time the charm? It wasn't. You know, I think Will would have loved to have that second and third down back. Would absolutely love to have that one back because he just didn't see the guys that were open when he needed to see them. Because K-State should have won the game on second down and should have won the game on third down. And it just didn't happen. So there's a, I'm sure there's a lot of regret there. But the regret to go on on fourth down, listen, at the end of the day, I'm still going to maybe be torn and maybe not be as convinced you go for it in that situation. But I, I truly, is at the end of the day, love being aggressive there. Love going for the win. Everybody's already nervous in that stadium. The pressure is on Texas to make the stop. Their, their season was just as much on the line. As, as a matter of fact, it was way more on the line than K-State's was, because they're still playing for a college football playoff spot. K-State is not. So there was more pressure on Texas. And K-State needed four yards. It was a yard more than a, than a two-point conversion. And we already saw at Oklahoma State that Cats were going to put pressure on the defense. And unfortunately, like it happened in Stillwater, they don't convert. They fell just a little bit short once again on the road in a big game. And that's just the one hurdle K-State has yet found a way to jump over how to win the big game on the road. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. 
Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We take a break. When we come back, uh, we'll touch a little bit on, you know, what K-State's chances of Arlington look like right now. It's not good. Plus, we'll try to take a look at this weekend in the Big 12 when we come back on Wildcat Insider. Coming up at the uh, top of the hour, we'll have Chiefs Kingdom. Kansas City coming off that Frankfurt Germany victory over the Miami Dolphins. 21-14, so Cats slash Chiefs fans at least had something to Smile about at the end of the weekend. It was, it was a pretty rough weekend for us K-State fans. Hopefully basketball will turn that around tonight with a men's and women's doubleheader in different locations. K-State women hosting Presbyterian. Uh, coming up in 38 minutes at Bramwich Coliseum, so sneak over there, get yourself a ticket, and go watch the Cats open up the year. Meanwhile, the K-State men in Vegas taking on number 21 USC, 9 o'clock, 8 o'clock pregame here on K-Man. The women will be on sister station, Sunny 102.5. All right, take a look at the Big 12 standings heading into week um, 11. Well, at the top of the leaderboard, after it was all said and done, after many pivotal games in the conference, Texas and Oklahoma State tied for first at 5-1. and one. Meanwhile, you have a five-way tie for third place. K-State, KU, Oklahoma, West Virginia, and Iowa State. By the way, I said last segment, the biggest hurdle that K-State hasn't found a way to climb over or jump over yet is winning the big one, the tough one, the adversity one on the road in Big 12 play, with the exception, of course, of Texas Tech. Um, But, you know, Texas Tech has kind of now become maybe not so big of a – it's a big win, but they just – they haven't been what we expected. They're a 4-5 and team. They're not as good as Oklahoma State – as Texas, Missouri, and then who do you have a week from Saturday? The Kansas Jayhawks. Texas Tech is not as good as KU. What K-State needs to get to Arlington, the big one, you need either Texas or Oklahoma State to lose twice. It's not likely. It's not likely either one would lose twice. What Texas has left, a road trip to TCU, a road trip to Iowa State, and Texas will host Texas Tech. Is it the day after Thanksgiving? Yes, day after Thanksgiving, Black Friday. Oklahoma State will be on the road at UCF. They'll be at Houston, and then they will host BYU. Guys, there's... I don't see it happening. Don't see it happening. Plus... You would really like Oklahoma to lose one more game. Oklahoma has this Saturday they're hosting West Virginia, which I bet will be a pretty good game. They're at BYU. 
and then they host TCU. All the scenarios you need to unfold, plus K-State needs to win out. I mean, that's real honest. Well, that's step number one. K-State needs to win out. Because uh, obviously, two of your last three games are against teams you're tied with that are also trying to fight and scratch and claw for a spot in Arlington. So K-State needs to win out, plus you need Texas or and or Oklahoma State to lose two games. Well, heck, if both of them lose two games, then you're absolutely in a great spot. But it's not likely to happen. And that's what really sucks. That is a, I mean, it tells you right there how pivotal this last weekend was, how big it was for K-State to win in Austin, despite how scary that matchup was in the preseason, even heading up to it. Cats don't get it done, and now they find themselves in a very tough spot to make it to Arlington. And it does truly feel like the odds of a, a, a two-loss Big 12 team getting in doesn't seem great because Texas and Oklahoma State are both tied for first. They both have the opportunity to make it to Arlington. They don't play each other unless they play in Arlington, and their, their schedules are so favorable. Their biggest hurdles in the last four games of the regular season were this past weekend, and they both won those games. And right now, I think playing their best football is Oklahoma State. You can say that for most of the teams in the country. The best football being played right now the last five weeks when it comes to how, you know, just beating some tough teams is Oklahoma State. Certainly in the Big 12 and Ollie Gordon. I mean, that is somebody that should, I'm not saying should win the Heisman, but should be in the conversation at this point. At least be in the conversation for the Heisman. All right, let's get out of here. Uh, that's going to do it for Wildcat Insider. I'm heading over to Bramlage Coliseum to watch the K-State women, plus the K-State men again play tonight at 9 o'clock with pregame at 8 here on KMAN. For AJ, I'm Mitch. Full two hours of the game. Come on up tomorrow afternoon from 4 to 6. Go Cats.